Hey, what's going on, guys? This is the Leafs Convo Podcast for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario, oakridgeford.com. I'm Norm, along with Mike. It is Sunday, February 2nd, 2020. Thanks for listening to the podcast, and thanks to the Maple Leafs. Three straight wins after beating the Senators 2-1 in overtime at Scotiabank Arena. There to witness it, the one and only Michael Piagello. Good morning. Good morning, Norm. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Leafs beat the Senators like uh, a certain president beat the Senators uh, in Washington this weekend. <laughs> Not to get wow. political, but I just I just making making an analogy here. But uh, let's just say this: it was. Uh, it was not the most exciting game in the in the world, but if you take it in context of what happened on the out of town scoreboard, which is what we're going to have to look at the next couple months, Florida lost in Montreal, Columbus lost in overtime in Buffalo, um, uh, the, the Islanders lost. Uh, you know, so all all the teams that the Leafs have been chasing or are chasing within a couple points, uh, they gained on them yesterday and that's an important aspect especially going into a key game on monday against the panthers in toronto the leafs only scored twice against the senators do you think they played well enough to have scored a lot more had the game taken a different turn well craig anderson played pretty well but i i I call it a low event game and usually those games are the games that the leafs lose they usually have to have a preponderance of events and um you know i thought jason spezza probably was the best player on the ice for either team and he had uh, an end-to-end rush in the first period and scored a power play goal uh, in the uh, in the middle of the game so uh, you know it, it wasn't the greatest of games for uh, for some of the Leafs top players but you know in the end when Marner scores the overtime goal you know you're let's just say you're, you're thankful for the victory and it doesn't matter how you get there but it it wasn't a great overall game for both mm-hmm. teams. The goal, the goaltender stood out. I thought uh, Michael Hutchinson had a really good game, and that is important for the Leafs going down the stretch because Sheldon Keefe indicated uh, before the game that they're going to use Hutchinson more because they have to get Frederick Anderson rest going down the stretch. The Leafs third in the Atlantic now, 52 games played, 63 points. Three straight wins gets the Leafs back into a playoff position. That's nice. But how about another three wins and then another three on top of that to solidify spots as opposed to hovering around a position that could get tenuous as we draw closer to the end of the season. This is the Leafs Convo podcast presented by Oak Ridge Ford. Mike, you bring up Mitch Marner. He owned that overtime. Hutch made some great saves. Nylander with a nice pass on the winner. But Mitch Marner killing that penalty and then Mm. drawing a penalty and then he's back out there to score the winner from just inside the blue line up top. He owned that overtime, and I tweeted out that Mitch Marner is Sheldon Keefe's guy. He's the Sheldon Keefe type of hockey player. That's why he uses him so much. Plus, he gets paid a lot of money. Yeah, I, I don't know if he came off the ice at the, after the penalty kill. and If he did, it was for seconds because he was out there for the full two minutes. And then, um, he, as you said, he was knocked down by, I think it was Mike Riley who took the penalty that eventually they scored the power play goal on. And he was making some sort of motion to the, the Leaf bench after, after he got knocked down. And it was, he said after the game, it was to have them take a timeout because he was gassed. But uh, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is in the third period, I thought, and, and, and Mitch had, does this from time to time. And I think fans are keyed on this. He passes too much. There was a, a chance late in the third period where he had, an open opportunity right in the slot and he passed off to somebody on the wing for a one-timer and 
you know, he has to shoot the puck more. His shot may not be the greatest in terms of velocity, but you know, you get it on net and you pick the corner and that, that that's all you need. But in, in overtime, you know, after a couple passes, he blew it by Anderson and that was good for the victory. Well, you see so many players load up and crush it wider than that, over the net. There's nothing wrong with a quick little wrister low. A lot of times the rewards are, are there because, you know, goaltenders are expecting pucks up high. There's traffic. And that was just a, a seeing eye goal, a nicely placed goal by a really skilled hockey player. Any other thoughts on last night's game other than Kasperi Kapanen sitting in the press box, uh, serving a little bit of internal accountability? On the ice, I, I think that the performance of Spezza, and, and you know, the, I know that after the game, a lot of the players commented on, you know, the power of his shot. You know, the, even though he's 36 years old, even though he's coming to the end of a, a great career, there's still a lot of there there with, with Spezza. I wonder, and he, before the game, you know, sort of poo-pooed the battle of Ontario rivalry and being on the other side. You know, it's been five years since he played in Ottawa. And just how he's enjoying being a Leaf and being a member of an original six team and all the tradition. I, I wonder, I mean, there's a lot of gas left in the tank there. If after this year, the Leafs don't get him to re-sign another one-year contract, because I think he enjoys playing there. I think it's, he's, you know, he's close to his family and uh, I think he helps them on the ice and is a veteran presence. So that'll be something we have to talk about after the year. But as for Kapanen, um, after the game, I mean, it, it, he was scratched. He was not in, it was not injury related. So of course that started all the chatter about possibly being yep. traded. And then I saw him walking around in the press box. So it wasn't as soon as he saw that it wasn't a trade because he wouldn't be in the arena if he had been traded. And after the game, Sheldon Keith came out and said it was internal accountability, which mm-hmm. probably means he was, he was late for a meeting or late for practice or something of that nature. And they're just making sure that they're keeping him in check. And that's a good thing. But, until February 24th, you're going to hear Casper Kapanen and, and trade rumors hand in hand. I love the coach. He does what he has to do for his own internal accountability, even if it's going to cause all sorts of commotion and hype over what may have gone down. He had to know that having Casper Kapanen not on the ice but in the building somewhere else was going to generate buzz because these are buzz-generating times, Michael. Yeah, I mean, it's getting to, let's see, uh, I believe three weeks tomorrow before the deadline. And it's we'll be doing numerous combos between now and then. And every in every one, there's going to be rumors of a potential trade. Um, they said it last night in Hockey Night in Canada. I think it's pretty accurate. The desperation of the Leafs in terms of what they're going to do at the deadline is going to be tied to how long is Morgan Riley going to be out and how well Rasmus Sandin is playing. And you saw the playbook being played out yesterday by Ottawa that was played by Dallas the game before. They got rough on the rookie. They ran him a couple times. Um, he was able to weather the storm. He made a nice pass on the Spezza goal, but they're, they're protecting him. I think, I don't know what, what his minutes were, but I would assume he was probably in the 13 to 14 minute range and he'll probably have to ramp up. They can't do that during the playoffs. That would be basically playing with five defensemen. So they have to determine whether he can build on his experience now and carry that forth into the playoffs. Um, 
I know that Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston were reporting about uh, the possibility of Matt Dumba. Uh, he's on the block in Minnesota. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right move because Dumba is sort of the same type of defenseman that they already have. He's more of an offensive minded guy. He's a bigger guy. And I think he plays a little physically, but I'm not sure if that's the great fit. The, the fit would be a Josh Manson and they pretty much shot that down. Uh, and I, I, I looked at Anaheim and saw the fact that, you know, they don't have the wealth uh, and depth of defense that they had in the in past years. So I, I don't think that Josh Manson is going to end up being traded, but we'll see what Dubas does. I know he's probably going to scour um, you know, the league to find help. And I know that uh, Dave Morrison, his head of scouting was uh, in Buffalo uh, on Thursday for the Montreal uh, Buffalo game. So, you know, they're, they're, they got their tentacles out there and they're going to explore the market. Who was he looking at? I think he was just, I mean, with Montreal, I don't. I don't think they're trading anybody. I don't think they're trading Jeff Petrie, but because they're in they're in the race, but that would be somebody who would sort of fit the profile of what uh, what the Leafs are are looking for. Um, one guy I know that the Leafs had been interested in the past, and I know he's got term left in his contract, and he probably wouldn't cost a ton. Would be Colin Miller, and he seems to be on the outs in Buffalo, but. That might be a move that makes sense. He's right-handed. He's making less than four million bucks. He's got a couple of years left in his contract, and he's not getting with the plan in Buffalo. So that might be a move. It's the, the only consideration there is they're going to have to have cap space, and he makes a little less than four million bucks. Hey, Mike, if the Leafs go on a super run and start challenging for the division because they've won ten in a row, do you think that changes the magnitude of a Kyle Dubas deal? when you weigh it against how the Leafs might get into the playoffs by literally backing in in the final few days? Maybe, because, but because it's been reported that he's only going to make the deal, the deals that people are talking about if they are competitive and if they're in the playoff mix. Um, if, they, if they're going that well, then you have to balance that with, do I really want to shake up a ship that is going in the right direction. So I, I think if there's the need, I think it's opportunity. I think if they see a defenseman that they think will help them and it's somebody who will be under contract next year, because remember, you know, Barry and CeCe and Muzzin are all unsigned and probably two of the three are going to be gone. Um, then he has to think about filling holes for next year as well as bolstering this year. Let's look at a few comments on community. Severino Cudicillo, the feeling is great, guys, as someone we all know used to say, steady on the rudder. Corey Parrish, such an emotional roller coaster after these Leafs wins. Three straight plus a 2-1 overtime victory over the Senators. These boys are amazing to watch. Go Leafs, go. Look forward to the combo in the AM. Well, here it is, Corey. Lord Longmarsh, what a fun team to watch. See you at the X, go Leafs, go Supercoop says, sweet. Wasn't it only a week ago when the comments were down and out yeah. and destitute and despair beyond any hope? Yeah, I mean, it's that, and that's the, that's the way the season's going to end up because you have three or four games that you're playing well and you get points in them and you move into a playoff spot and if they lose two or three in a row, then they're back where they started from right after the break. So, I mean, this is a big week for the Leafs, not only because it's four games, but they play Florida head-to-head, -head, and maybe it's encouraging that Barkov got injured in Montreal yesterday. Not that you're rooting for injuries, but if they're without Barkov, it might be an easier game to win. Um, there was a little scare yesterday with Tavares leaving uh, uh, the game in the first period, and, and he had uh, some sort of ankle difficulty, but came back and, and weathered 
uh, weathered through it. But, uh, I mean, the Florida game is going to be big because they'll give them a four-point advantage on the, on the Panthers if they win that game in regulation. And they play the Rangers in New York and then back-to-back Anaheim and Montreal. I think out of those eight points, they probably need at least six yeah. uh, to, to maintain the, the direction they're going. No more effing around. Just get to the business of winning. Get to the business of being successful and setting yourself up for more success. Maverick P. Kasperi Kapanen is one of my favorite leaves. He's a streaky player, I admit, but he's one of the few guys on the team who isn't afraid to make a hit and willing to play in the dirty areas of the ice. Do you think this internal accountability will motivate Kasperi Kapanen to play weller on the ice, Mike? How do you think this spins out from where it is right now? I mean, there's been some inconsistencies in Kapanen's game this year, but I think it's been more because they've had to plug him into positions where he has not been comfortable, meaning playing left wing instead of right wing. I think he's played fairly well on the right side. Um, I think he, you wouldn't hear his name in trade rumors if his value wasn't valued. Um, and I, I think that You'll continue to hear that, and teams are looking around the league. They're looking for speed and skill, and he has speed and skill. So I don't think there's a lot of – let's just say I'm not th- I don't think they're going to trade him simply because, you know, he's he was late for practice. Mm-hmm. They'll trade him because teams are interested in him and they can get what they need by trading him or Janssen or Kerfoot. So um, I think that's that, – that's, those are the main factors. Hey, Mike, your value is valued. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it's only, what, uh, it's only getting weller. It's only getting weller. Uh, what, uh, what is your prediction for the Super Bowl, or do you have one? I've got the Chiefs to win by 10. They score too many points. They're amazing, and it's high time. Well, it's been 50 years. At least they've won one. I mean, Hank Stram won one in 1970. I was three years old at that point. Uh, I'd like the Bills to win one before I die. That would be nice. Anyway, Mike, we'll have to posthumously <laughs> award you a – Buffalo Bills Super Bowl ring at some point. Guys, like, subscribe, and vote while you're here. This is the Leafs Convo Podcast for Oak Ridge Ford. Mike, last word to you. The Florida game can't be understated is probably the most important game of the year to this point. There will be probably more important games since it looks like the Leafs will be in a battle for third place uh, in the Atlantic and one of the two wildcard spots. So, Um, I think everything is focused on tomorrow night, so it should be a good show. Should be fun. The Leafs Convo continues. Thanks, Norm.